Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Now, the name of our program might be a bit unconventional, but for that better, so is our approach. We'll discuss traditional and alternative practices and therapies designed to improve and maintain the health of your best friends, your pets. With the ideas discussed on the show today, your pets could live longer and healthier lives. Now, here is Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Hello, I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson, Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center in McHenry, Illinois. Um, So this morning we're going live today and talking about some disturbing trends that we've both noticed on um, the internet. Um, When you're trying to get into a lot of Facebook groups that involve holistic medicine and that kind of thing, people are, um, there, there are so many categories to it that are a little bit surprising. And a lot of them revolve around flea and tick medication. So we see some a lot of weird stuff out there lately. So, you know, we really try to respond, practice a responsible, um, holistic program here. So it doesn't completely leave out all the technology that's out there that's been developed, um, tested over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we pair that with um, the holistic strategies of all different kinds, everything from ozone therapy, acupuncture, herbal therapy. Um, you're taking a class right now in uh, liver and gallbladder, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, it, so our, our practice, I guess I should say, is more integrative and not entirely just strictly based on herbs or acupuncture or, you know, the other holistic methods that are out there. But we're always open to learning new stuff and doing new stuff. But when you have tried and true things, you know, and you see so many patients, which we do hear hundreds of people come in here a week with their animals coming from all over the United States. You know, you really have to kind of start <clears throat> looking at what else is out there sometimes, you know, because we're always looking for the next thing that we can add, we can do. We've recently done that with, you know, the addition of the ozone therapy into the clinic mm-hmm. and all the herbs uh, associated with that. So we're going to talk about those a little bit later on and tell you how things are going with some of our real life cases. But What I find when I look at some of these programs and, uh, you know, stuff on the internet, um, Facebook, especially the groups, like you can't even get into a group if you use flea and tick. You can't get into a group if you use a different group, if you use or mention Brevecto. If you mention it, (laughs) they'll can you. (laughs) Um, You can't get into a group if you ever suggest that Dawn dishwashing liquid is something you could wash your animal in. Uh, you cannot get into groups um, for, for dozens and dozens of reasons, but <clears throat> a lot of them do <clears throat> revolve around the flea and tick medications. Like this is um, the enemy, it's poison. You can see people writing this all the time. They're not veterinarians. They're people with, you know, maybe some anecdotal evidence. I really don't know where they're getting their perception of this. However, there, I, I will say one more thing. There is like a holistic vet out there. There's a couple of holistic vets out there that don't actually work. Like they don't practice. They basically are just going out and getting their followers and stuff on Facebook or they're getting followers on email, social media, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's their whole job is, is to do that. So, you know, they'll put things out there that are like, are you still giving your dog Brevecto? And then it doesn't say not to do it. It just says, are you still doing it? And then there's a picture of a dog having a seizure. 
there, which is, you know, I, I mean, very disturbing. Nobody really wants to see that. But those sensational types of things don't really match with reality. So like when we're working, that's, you know, a hundred patient, a couple hundred patients a week, probably coming in here just to see you mm. could be more. Um, right. We just don't have the time, but um, you know, when you see stuff like that, what is your first thoughts as a more integrative vet? Well, first of all, you know, ticks and fleas are predators. So they're only going to get or attack the weakest animal. Okay. And, uh, a, one of my technicians even said, you know, she has German shepherds and she said, well, one day I sent, she has 10 German shepherds. She goes out into the, uh, you know, into the, like, a, an, a wooded area. She said, why? She asked me this question. She said, well, why did nine of them not have a tick or a flea on them? And one dog had fleas and ticks all over the place. Mm -hmm. Said they were in the same area, running the same ground. Only one was attacked and the rest of them weren't. And I said, for that reason, that, uh, the, the ticks and fleas being predators are going to seek out the weakest link because they have weaker skin. They have usually uh, blood vessels that are more easily accessed. And didn't um, she bring him in right after that and mm -hmm. worked him up and he was pretty sick? Yeah, found right. that he had an underlying liver problem so her in digestive issues. So, so it, it was true. It was true. Yeah. And So um, we had another client also. Um, so this one's kind of, I mean, this one's a really sad story actually. So this owner was trying to go the straight up holistic route for a flea infestation. Mm -hmm. So her treatment of this dog was three months of diatomaceous earth. I should have brought it in here. I have some in the next room. The diatomaceous earth is just, is it like a clay or something? I don't even know what it is. Mm -hmm. Okay. And this is supposed to what? Drown the fleas out? What's supposed to happen here? Well, it's supposed to it coat the skin and smother the flea and ticks so they can't either find a vessel to feed on or it basically strangulates them. Okay. All right. So this poor woman was just really believing all of this stuff out there on the internet. I mean, the flea and tick is poison. Things aren't going to end up well. If I apply this to my dog once, it's going to die or it's gonna have some long-term health problems. So all these things that are being said out there about flea and tick medications, I'm not saying that some of this doesn't have a basis. Um, I'll get to that in a minute. But this client believed the entire thing and she tried and tried and tried. So after three months of treating this animal, could you fill us in on kind of what happened? Well, the patient uh, started to develop some very strange uh, edema, which is swelling of the joints and uh, soft tissue, uh, had some uh, very strange looking skin lesions, kind of blotchy red, pinkish lesions, and, uh, and was very sick, wouldn't eat, didn't, uh, didn't have much energy, and uh, really was being, the immune system was being attacked. Mm. And so come to find out, you know, as we were working this patient up that had a a permanent uh, autoimmune type disease, which okay. eventually um, the patient passed away. Mm -hmm. And uh, it wasn't long either. It wasn't long. That the patient passed away. So. so we did everything to try to build its strength back up, its immune system back up, but the immune system was destroyed. And come to find out, unfortunately, 
the owner was battling with a pretty severe flea infestation and trying to go at it naturally. Uh, by the time we convinced her that, you know, when we found out to use a product that's going to get rid of the fleas and get rid of the infestation, uh, pretty much too late. Mm -hmm. So it, uh, in, you know, she was going about it and trying to control the environment and trying to control uh, fleas and ticks on the patient, but she forgot about the patient itself, you know, trying to build mm -hmm. up its immune response because it was being attacked by these I think organisms. That's, that's the biggest lesson learned. Biggest lesson learned is forgetting about that this is a patient. You can't just, you can't just like get into an ideology for every animal or for every situation. You know, it's, it's an ideology. I can, I can believe this sort of thing, but it doesn't mean it's going to be reality and you know, it, it may not work. And mm -hmm. that's what people have to understand. And so she right. needed to stop and look at her patient, which we eventually did, but it was just too late. So I, you know, I'm not saying that the holistic things don't work. We do um, suggest people use some holistic products. We carry some holistic products for flea and tick. Vatroscience is one of them. You just have to be very, you know, diligent about using their flea and tick spray. Um, we don't carry it actually that much anymore. You can get it on Amazon um, or any of the, you know, pet websites. Uh, but you can also make that stuff. So if you just look at the ingredients, it's, I think, 96% water. <laughs> so yeah. I don't like that part. I don't like anybody getting, you know, sent a bottle of water with a few drops of oils in it. So, yeah, you know, I'm sure there's recipes out there that you could find that are very similar to, to all of them. They're all pretty much close and the same. So, you know, better to sell the oil and, and use your own water. You don't have to ship your water, water to, across yeah, the country. Then. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, um, I don't know. It's, it's sort of like one of those things where you hear about the new, the new thing. I had a man come in the other day, a very nice man. He's like, I want to bring back this Provecto and I don't want it anymore. And, you know, you really can't take anything back. I ended up taking it to use on my own dogs because it was not, um, you know, open or anything like that. So I did give him his money back and, and credited him. But, you know, the, this is a new thing um, with Brevecto, NexGuard, Credelio, and Semperica. They are all in a new drug class called isozazolines. And they are kind of a new thing um, that the FDA has actually put um, a warning on. So, all the packages of your product for Nexgar, Cordelio, Semperica, and Bravacto all have now a little uh, written statement on the label. This is an interesting statement and kind of an interesting move by the FDA because they actually don't really have a lot of evidence. Everything they're said about it so far is very vague. Um, just so you know, I mean, we live in a very wooded area out in the country. There's all kinds of animals coming into our property. We <clears throat> rescue horses. Some of those horses have had, you know, they're coming from the south. They have lice infestations. They have um, fleas. They have ticks. They have everything on them because we usually bring them up from like feedlots in Oklahoma or Texas. Um, the last one just came up. He's getting a lice treatment today. I'm not going to rub diatomaceous earth on that guy. <laughs> so he's way too big. But um, so we have to have, you know, products that are going to hold up. Um, I think we tried to do something lesser one year and our daughter came out of her bedroom with a tick attached to come in with one of the cats. So our cats run around, the dogs run around. There's, you know, all kinds of animals, people coming over there, that kind of thing. So 
you know, so we do use Brevecto in our house because it's a three month treatment. I have never had a problem. I mean, we've used it on, I don't know, two dozen cats, which is a little embarrassing. <laughs> we have that many cats running around. We don't need more, but um, we've used it on, you know, four dogs now, five, I think dogs. And I don't know, we've done really well with Perfecto. I can't say anybody in our house has ever had anything happen. No, and experience is important because uh, when they first do the research on these products, uh, it has, they have to know what the, if it has an LD50. An LD50 is that the, the dosage was high enough to kill 50% of the test patients. Okay. okay. Uh, it's done regularly, but most of these products that you buy from the veterinary clinics doesn't have an LD50, which means it would take, a, well, there is no amount that the animal could eat or be applied to them that would be lethal to them. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Doesn't mean so that they won't the, have side effects, right? Because usually they, they in the in the test studies, they'll give the the, the test animal um, about five times the amount, mm -hmm. three times the amount, one time the amount to see. Okay, is there any reaction? And I think they did have one that showed up, right? And then this particular one with with Brevecto using it at three times the dosage, and, it, and you know clients aren't going to give three times the dosage. Okay. So we're just going to give the regular dose because it's sold through the veterinary office and we're going to give them, we're going to have the pet's weight. We're going to have the right dose. But at dose. three times the dose, they did have a reaction? Well, there was, um, in the test study, um, it showed that about 30% of those test animals at that dosage did have some neurologic response. Okay. And we have to remember that most, or if not all, of the flea and tick products are working on the flea and tick's nervous system. Okay. So obviously we have to be careful in using products like this on dogs who are, uh, have seizures. Okay. Um, second of all is that uh, there's certain breeds that are seizure prone. We maybe have to take that into consideration as well. And ill patients, you don't want to apply to patients who have a diagnosis necessarily or have an illness. Mm -hmm. because, and it even says it on the label, don't use it on sick animals. So that's okay. one of the things that came up on our Facebook group, which is Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. It's a group. Um, we kind of help each other out, give each other info, um, and you can ask questions in there, and we'll answer them on our podcast. But one of the things <clears throat> that did come up in that was um, Sue said that she no longer gives her dog any of those medications because he has a kidney problem, mm -hmm. and he's older. And he's older, and that's where you want to use the natural products. Um, natural products, unfortunately, have not been tested to know what's the exact amount. And that's the problem. It's not that we shouldn't use them, but it's not going to work the same on every patient because we don't know what that exact dosage is. Mm -hmm. It's more or less trial and error. Some folks say that, that using garlic does a great job for them. Others say that uh, topical sprays they've made works great for them. Mm -hmm. Others do fine with essential oils on the skin, but not. we have to remember that when we go out on the internet and, and blanket social media publication of this product, uh, of different products and say they're all bad or all good or shouldn't use this, shouldn't use that. To me, it's individual medicine. It's the patient that, that matters. Mm -hmm. It's not the medicine, but it's the patient and how the medicine is going to affect them. Because in the case of the, of the, the autoimmune dog there is that when I talk to my holistic colleagues, we talk about it and say, well, the, 
the alternative is much worse than a potential reaction to the product. So a lot of my colleagues still use flea and tick prevention or recommend it. But at the same time, we're not just uh, asking them to apply it. We're making sure that the pet is healthy. We're trying to build immunity and making sure that the that you, you've got a double protection there. Okay. And if they're uh, healthy enough, who knows? We may be able to go off the grid a little bit and just use it seasonally. Okay. All righty. So you kind of look to have to weigh the risks, the benefits, and all of the different options, right? Yeah, that's a big conversation with the veterinarian about, okay, how is my pet at risk? You know, if they're in a backyard in groomed area all the time, they walk on the sidewalk, they're going to be considered low risk. But if your pet goes hunting, very high risk, it's going to be exposed. Mm-hmm. And so um, just had a patient the other day, we uh, went to the woods, didn't have protection on uh, as recommended. And the pet came back, uh, we ran blood work because they found ticks on them. All three, Lyme, Ehrlichia, and Anaplasma, positive. Oh. What do you patient, do about that then? Well, the patient's not ill, but we're going we're gonna to treat it with doxycycline anyway. Yeah. Okay. And it's important uh, to treat the organism and then retest to see if this titer is still there. Because sometimes it just develops titers and you don't get sick at all. Okay. And it's like a natural vaccination. Uh-huh. So we'll keep track of this little guy, but actually a big guy. He's a pretty good-sized dog. And, um, but, uh, but that was the case uh, where those organisms are out there, and it's a real deal. And, the, the, and it's a young dog, too. So there's something about this dog. But he was also put into a situation like a hunting dog where there's going to be uh, heavy infestation of flea and ticks right. too. I think the thing that's bothersome about the FDA situation, and a lot of vets are saying this, is just that it's so vague. It says that, um, you know, there might be some neurological side effects or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's just um, very vague. It doesn't feel like this has any teeth. It feels like it's just sort of like, okay, this is possible because a bunch of people on the internet said so. But remember that the FDA just recently pulled out of their whole experience with um, with uh, the dilated cardiomyopathy saying the grain-free dog foods were bad. Mm-hmm. So they had that whole deal and, oh my gosh, nobody feed them anymore or there should be warnings, whatever. And, you know, the entire public's going crazy, people mm-hmm. coming in all the time. Hey, I think I got my dog got something from that. And, you know, in the reality, in the end of the story, there were really very few dogs that actually didn't have something else, mm-hmm. uh, some other problem entirely or some other issue that wasn't even, had nothing to do with dilated cardiomyopathy. So DCM was completely off the table. They've kind of swept it under the rug and acted like, oh, well. But, um, you know, you kind of can't forget that when you're looking at these sort of things. So the FDA in this situation is pretty vague. But still, you'll go on the Internet and you'll see all this anecdotal evidence or some poor animal having a seizure, being videotaped. It was the Perfecto. It was the next guard. It was whatever. But the reality is, in the end, unless there's research done on all of those animals and all of those experiences, getting medical records, a total workup to see, nobody knows. It's just anecdotal evidence until you can prove it. Yeah, and that's what they really should do is, um, you know, sometimes we, the mob rules in certain cases. So sometimes if, if one person is putting the data out there or information, 
what's the truth? And sometimes if there's a, you know, even when you're reporting adverse events, what's the truth? If they're getting a bunch of adverse reports, then they, and they, they can come out with a statement and say, well, we've had this many reports, maybe there's something to this. But really before the report comes out is they should, they should go back to the research. What, what is the research telling us? What is the field telling us? Mm-hmm. You know, or, you know, in the veterinary groups and things like that, what's actually going on? Is this so true it says, or Yeah, and this is a, a, an article from the Veterinary Information News Service called VIN. It's a, just for veterinarians and, you mm-hmm. know, some of their technicians and stuff. It says early studies hinted at rare neurologic effects um, with the uh, products. So, I mean, at this point, we don't know. At this mm-hmm. point, I mean, in my own experience, we've never had anything like that happen. Right. And we would expect a rare experience for sure. And, and with our own dogs. Right. And um, doesn't mean it won't happen to someone else's and I would hate that. Right. Um, so it's really just weighing the risks, the benefits and the options of the ISO. Uh, how do you say it? ISO Zazzling. Mm-hmm. That's fine. <laughs> I hope so, I said it right. I don't know. It's hard to say. You know, these, yeah. uh, these medical names are difficult sometimes, mm-hmm. but uh, that's where the risk assessment comes in. As you mentioned, you know, talking to the veterinarian about it and saying, what is my pet at risk for? And then does my pet have health concerns that might prohibit me from using these products? Mm-hmm. And then if so, what is the risk if I'm going off the grid and not using it? Mm-hmm. So just be open and transparent. I think it's important, you know, because, you know, if you, if you got a mob rule mentality, it's, it's hard to break through the drama you know, and find out yeah. what's the truth. So talk to the people who do the work, you know, the veterinarians speak with them. So um, there's a veterinarian who had a blog at the time named Dr. Elizabeth Carney. She's in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And she just kind of mentioned NextGuard and then it, the blog blew up because people were saying, oh, I had a terrible time. And one of the things she did say is that you start with research on like a hundred dogs but then you go and you put it out there and then it goes into thousands of dogs. Mm-hmm. That's a completely, you, you, it's just going to change things. Right. Because you have it the can, research. Not every time. And you know, the research <laughs> that's done in, in, in the, in the studies and then, you know, the reactions there, but then they put it out in the field and they say, well, in research, if it has a very low risk tolerance, we're going to put it on the market. And then they, they rely on us in the field to use it and then to get feedback. And that real feedback then is is if there's uh, a lot of adverse events, then they'll they'll pull the product or they'll take another look at the product mm-hmm. and say, okay, maybe there's some truth to it because obviously in the field there's going to be millions, you know, there's and exactly that millions of dogs have been on these products like Nexgar and Brevecto and Credelio and Superica. So, so you're going to see reactions. You know, you're you're going to see side effects. And I just really hope it isn't anything really bad for you guys, um, mm. seizures or anything like that. But nothing is going to be 100% safe 100% no. of the time. No. And there will be side effects. So, But right. this is a whole new class. There's There are older classes you can use. You can use all sorts of different things that are older. So that's, you know, go, go back to whatever it is you want to use. Um, I think one of the issues with some of the older medications is that you might experience um, that they don't work anymore. I think that's why they're developing all these new classes of medications to try to stay ahead of that tide. So, I mean, you just don't know that they're, you know, what the situation is going to be. 
Um, Steve, thanks for joining us today. He says he often, Steve works in a state park. So he gets to be around all kinds of wildlife and he actually lives there too, which is a pretty cool job. Um, He said he often finds possums, raccoons, and even beavers with flea infestations. And then you have to work around all those guys. Yeah. (laughs) That's not very good. (laughs) Well, you know, one of the worst (laughs) epidemics of all time or pandemics was the plague. The plague. Yeah, I mean, people would have fallen, I mean, given anything to have a chemical yeah. that had anything that would right. save their family. It's so incredibly sad. So in the Western United States, there is actually still plague. Yeah. And it does, you know, infect um, some of the rural areas. Those are like when they have the arid grasslands, you know, kind of like around Utah, um, that kind of thing. So and it is Yersinia pestis, and uh, you get it from being bitten by a rodent flea. So it's usually like a rat flea is what it's called. But those are in the population in the United States. So there is plague. Um, you know, it may infect someone in a more rural area, probably not your suburban dog. So something, you know, to consider about that. But I mean, all the plagues, there were two and I mean, one of them killed 20, there was it the Justinian plague that killed 25 million people. The, and then the Black Plague later, a few centuries later. That's kind of interesting. As well. Right, for sure. And that's, that's kind of interesting how it happened because I was just, I had a thought of that is that the only reason that the fleas attack humans, and that happens out in the, in the West too, is that if the source, the rat itself is not there, and that's what happened. The rats were dying off. Okay. And so the fleas had no host. So he said, oh, human. That looks delicious. Let's go and start biting <laughs> on that. Yeah. Right. So and that's where, you know, I guess we all hate, you know, or not necessarily hate rats as far as infestation in your house. I hate rats. That so on record. Okay. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> but at the same time, it is it is a balance of, yeah. of, of uh, you know, Survival of the fittest, but at the same time, there is a night, there is an equal balance. Yeah, you have to have a rat there to take the flea. Otherwise, the flea's going to find some other source. It, you know? I mean, sometimes history is important to remember because it's it's just so sad that so many people died, and they died within like just a few days of getting the plague. So, uh, I mean, it's just terrible. And to think that now we have it so good, and now we're all fighting over whether. You know, you can be in a Facebook group because you <laughs> use flea and take medication on your animal. Yeah, we I got mean, it pretty good these days. Yeah, we, we sure do. And it's sometimes good to remember how things, you know, like used to be. So, yeah. yeah. There's also um, another issue with these isozazolines. Um, the phrase multidrug resistance mutation, um, and it's a gene a genetic mutation called MDR1, multidrug resistance mutation. So this happens in dogs and there are certain breeds that you have to watch out for. So if your dog is one of those breeds, um, you do need to be careful about anything you use on it, ranging from heartworm to any other kinds of medications, including flea and tick. Okay. So um, 70% of collies, carry the MDR1 gene. So then that opens it up to a lot of other affected breeds, including long-haired whippets, Australian shepherds, those are very popular, German shepherds, Shetland sheepdogs, and English sheepdogs. So if you have one of those kinds of animals, you really need to talk to your veterinarian about maybe getting that MDR1 test. And then 
that can be used in many different aspects, I think, of the practice. Right, because um, like the new uh, DNA companies, um, so there's uh, Embark, for mm -hmm. example, um, and they've been doing more genetic studies and and as we know more about these genetic mutations, we'll be able to have better predictions uh -huh. on some of the side effects of, of what's, what's happening. If, if it's a genetic issue, uh, then we may be able to have early detection there. It's still very open. You know, genetic uh, testing is, is still a new frontier, but at the same time, uh, there's some wonderful things coming up. Yeah. Uh, that we can look at as far as medicine is concerned. I mean, it's probably not that expensive to get that MDR1 gene tested, but before you're putting on flea, tick, heartworm, and then just all kinds of other drugs, you probably need to know what's going on there. So we're going to take a little break here. We will be coming right back. We're going to talk a little bit more about Don dish soap and why some of the Facebook groups won't let you in. <laughs> you say you want to give your dog a bath in Dawn. All right. You wash the dishes in it, but don't give your dog a bath in it. So we'll be talking about that and some new stuff we're using in our bathing procedures here that are working out really well. So we have some case studies for you on that too. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Today, many doctors prescribe basic pharmaceuticals to their patients who aren't feeling well or have various aches or pains. Is this the right course of action for all patients? Definitely not. Find out about healthy, natural ways to help you feel your best by tuning in to the CBD Ed Show with host Edward Cheney. Ed will explain full-spectrum CBD, where the whole hemp plant can be used for treatment, and answer all of your questions about CBD and natural treatment in general. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. 
are listening to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Hi, I'm Christine Carlson with Dr. Jim Carlson. Our Facebook group is called Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. You can ask us anything you want on that page. We're more than happy to answer any of your questions. Let us know what you're thinking um, and topics you'd like to see us discuss a little bit on the show. Since we do have so many people coming in here, it's kind of fun to just go ahead and look at the show and um, use our day-to-day experience to talk about things that we've done this week. So talk about a wonderful thing. We had fish surgery this week. We had a goldfish surgery. So Dr. Olick, who is one of the associates here, um, he likes the exotic animals. He likes to do all that stuff. And this little goldfish came in. Okay. So actually it was koi, right? I know koi is like a goldfish. Yeah. It was a bigger goldfish. So yeah. Like maybe five inches long. Yeah. And maybe a little bit longer. And it had a tumor that would have been, I mean, how big, would you say? Be about a dime size around and about a half an inch um, above the surface of the skin. Mm-hmm. And then there was another smaller one that was probably an eraser size. And then there was a few uh, smaller ones that weren't removed. Um, the tissue is, uh, it's, it's interesting because uh, fish anesthesia is done a little bit differently. So um, you actually use um, a little bit of clove oil mm-hmm. and you use alcohol mm-hmm. and it sedates them. Alcohol, but not, not like isopropyl alcohol. Like no, alcohol. it'd be drinking alcohol, like wood alcohol. Like what, vodka? Mm-hmm. Oh, or really? Everclear. Oh, so, okay. And um, there's a, a certain recipe used to be able to do that. Uh, what happens is it sedates the, the fish and then it can be out of water. And uh, for Dr. Olick, as I was talking to him a little bit more about it, is that under the effect of anesthesia, they can essentially be out of the water all day, you know, without any side effects. Oh, really? And so when he was out doing surgery, he had a small syringe that was uh, in the fish's mouth. And every so often he would give him a little bit of that concoction. Mm-hmm. And the fish was laying there beautifully comfortably. Yeah. And, uh, we have some videos that we'll post yeah. on our page a little bit later on, just making sure the owner says that's okay. Um, it was very interesting. I've never seen yeah. anybody do that, and uh, the fish is fine now. So yeah, doing great. Went yeah, on yesterday. doing really good. So, um, you know, kind of back to the subject of the flea and tick once again. So, you know, everybody gets out their pitchforks. I'm probably going to be banned from all these <laughs> holistic groups I'm in <laughs> if they find out it was me. Um, so... One of the other things, there's a group where you're not allowed to mention Dawn dishwashing liquid. Now, Dawn dishwashing liquid <clears throat> is a staple in most vet clinics because there are animals that come in that don't have, like they're too little to, or maybe too sick, or maybe something's wrong with them. So they can't um, have a regular flea and tick medication. So you have to be, I think, at least eight weeks old mm-hmm. to have a flea and tick medication. So you get a lot of puppies and kittens with a big infestation. So you have like very few options of what you're able to do. One of them is Dawn, not maybe the heavy duty Dawn, just the old fashioned Dawn that first came out on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, that's usually what we try to do is to bathe all of that. And then you have to use a flea comb and comb every single bit of that animal to get those fleas off. It's very intense. 
and you, you know, you try to comb beforehand, then you try to basically smother them in Dawn and water mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you kind of dry it off and then you have to recomb and just keep after it to keep, um, doing that. So it's actually pretty intense to de-flea a puppy or a kitten that comes in here with a flea and tick problem. It is too young for that. And, you know, sometimes again, it happens with older animals or, you know, people just didn't know, or the animal's too sick or, you know, whatever. So this Facebook group is like, Don is, um, the company says it can't be used on animals. And it's like, well, there's animals in the commercial and they're like, no, that's wrong too. It's like, well, they have a duck on the actual product, but okay. And um, so this group is just all about this, but I did come across an article from pet MD and they also agree that, you know, it's, maybe not ideal. Um, Dawn and other soaps like it creates a kind of surfactant or surface tension that will compromise the exoskeleton and make adult fleas sink. So essentially the soap drowns the fleas. Mm -hmm. And that is coming from uh, Dr. Chris Reeder, who's a board certified veterinary dermatologist with Blue Pearl Pet Hospital in Franklin, Tennessee. So you know, if it's necessary, you know, I mean, then that's, you know, kind of what you do, right? Right, because you, if you've got an infestation, you have to snuff out the infestation. Mm-hmm. Kind of goes back to our original case that we we're talking One about. One adult flea can lay up to 50 eggs per day. So even if 10 of those hatch, that would be five more fleas coming at you every day. Just being bombarded. And they're, they're very good at surviving. You know, the, some say that uh, the, 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 even on the dinosaurs, they discover the tick. Oh, really? So they've, they've been around for eons. <clears throat> and so uh, we have to respect these organisms for survivability because they're going to yeah. try to survive at all costs. And so uh, we have to be ready for that arsenal. And so sometimes, you know, getting it under control and then finding out why did it happen in the first place and how to prevent it so you never get it again. So it, mm-hmm. it, it happens to the best of us. You know, it, it happens. So. Uh, you know, snuff them out quickly, get to the root of it. And you you don't have to use a lot of it. You can use a very small amount of Dawn. Um, You know, you wouldn't want to use a ton of it. Um, That would be probably coming with some kind of side effect. I'm I'm assuming probably pretty harsh on an animal skin. Uh, But uh, as this doctor said, um, so if you have like a big, dog with a big huge infestation this pet dermatologist says then the product could help remove the fleas directly on the skin get them off the hair coat and then that's the way you would use it so don's in something you would give a bath in all the time to prevent fleas it's not going to do that it's just that if you're in a big crisis and your dog is covered in fleas okay now is the time you could probably use it once use the milder version, not the, you know, they have like that new upgraded one. It's super thick. I use it on my dishes. So Hmm. I guess, you know, whatever's wrong with it, I'm eating it. And then um, you'd have to follow up with maybe a purge product. So purge products, you know, are typically Capstar is one, um, which is only effective for 24 hours, but it can purge all of those fleas off. Hmm. So, you know, I don't know, people before animals, I'm sorry. Um, It's the health and welfare of yourself, your home. I mean, in some of these groups, people are like, oh, I have 50 bites on me. What am I going to do? I don't want to use anything toxic on my dog, but then use the less toxic version. Maybe you don't use a Brevecto or whatever until we get that all straightened out. 
and you go for something else. So you use a front line or revolution, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Right. The ones that have been out there longer, you know, the, the, the one that is still surprising me is the pyrethrins because um, you can still purchase them over the counter. They're probably the most toxic of all of the, the products. Right. They're the most readily available. Right. And they're most readily available. I've seen way more side effects. Um, I have to say in 22 years actually, that yeah. I've not had, I, I can't recall an issue with a veterinary based product, but I can, you know, probably had a hundred cases of pyrethrin toxic, toxicity. You know, it was just so overdose. These products that are sold over the counter, they're not veterinary grade. They'll say things like, um, you know, spot on, or I don't know if that's a brand. So it's not like that. It's just like something you would pick up at a pet store or discount place or something like that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have veterinary. It didn't go through veterinarians ever. Um, Some of them are shampoos, flea and tick shampoos. um, And they have, you got to turn around the label and read it. It says pyrethrins or what's the other one? Pyrethrins. Yeah, that would be the main one because that's okay. the, the big category. Oh, okay. All right. So aren't those based in plants, though, pyrethrins? Yeah, they are plant-based products. Um, and Are they from, like, daisies or I don't know what it is I'm thinking of. Do you remember? Something like that. I, I anyway. believe so. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for that I, one. So. I apologize. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to stump you once in a while. Yeah, Some no. kind of daisy. But yeah. um that the pyrethrins come from, they're extracted, and then they're used on pets. These things are trash. So you yeah. have to be very, very careful. Just don't even bother. If you have a flea infestation, call your vet and do something about it. Um, so on our YouTube page, which is Riverside Nick Henry on YouTube, there is a cat who we did video one time and it was suffering terribly. And some cats have died. Um, sometimes they'll use the dog product on the cat terrible idea. Mm. Sometimes they use the cat product on a puppy. Terrible idea. The pyrethrins and those things that you just pick up and they're really cheap and it's like you think it's okay, the same thing or a cheap version. It isn't. It's terrible. Don't do it. Horrible idea. That's better to just get out the, probably have a bottle of Dawn on the on your kitchen sink area and, and just give them a, a a bath in. It's yeah, going to do mild, the most effective job. Like, don't use a ton of it. No. Just that, all it takes is uh, just, you know, getting a few drops down the back and lathering it in. All over the body. All over the body. That's about all you need because obviously a few drops will wash half your dishes. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's definitely going to do a good job on the, on the pet. So, there are many different kinds of diseases that fleas carry. <clears throat> Am I going to stump you on this one? No. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> so Stop tell us a little bit about the different things that fleas carry. Well, they can, um, first of all, tapeworms is probably the biggest secondary organism that fleas carry. And you don't really test for tapeworms, right? No, it's very difficult because even if you send out um, an ovarian parasite check, mm-hmm. is that it's very difficult to pick up the tapeworm because... Um, the segment is what's uh, excreted out and then the eggs are inside that. So they have a nice little package, a little envelope, okay. shoot it out, right? So, and then they are, that's where the eggs are. So it's really hard to, um, you know, if you could find one of those and crush it and then and look at it under the microscope, you could see the eggs. But you're not going to see those readily on, a, on an ONP. But at the same time, uh, 
a lot of pets are infested, especially cats, because they're fastidious groomers, mm-hmm. and they'll eat the fleas and then uh, become infested with tapeworms. And so uh, tapeworms, far away, is the biggest carrier. Of course, the bacteria. Now, there's various bacteria, so like Yersinia pestis here. Um, and so the, they're less likely to carry a lot of disease because they only feed on the one host. Mm-hmm. They're not going to jump host. Okay. A tick will jump host. That's why it carries so many things because it can feed on a deer. It can feed on a cat, feed on you. It'll feed on a horse. Okay. And it has four basically uh, different stages to its life cycle before it starts really um, shedding eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but uh, fleas, uh, basically whatever they're currently carrying on themselves or whatever they hatched out uh, could be uh, the organism that they're carrying. But far and away, the tapeworms. All right. Okay. So... You know, if you're a person who has an animal that's been infested with fleas, you've experienced flea bites, there is a company that does do some diagnostic work with that if you find the right doctor to help you out with it. Um, And it's called Galaxy Diagnostics. They do a lot of work with um, tick-borne and, you know, like flea-type illnesses. They have a lot of testing services for that. So that's just uh, my little one take for you guys Mm -hmm. who are um, uh, pet owners who've experienced these problems. So you never kind of can underestimate how sneaky that is because somebody might be feeling sick for a really long time and have absolutely no idea right. that that's what it was. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, so enough about fleas today. We wanted to also introduce a couple of other items that we've been working with lately. One is the ashwagandha powder. The ashwagandha root powder is um, an exceptional soothing product. It works in many, many different ways uh, purportedly across the internet. You can find all sorts of different reasons to use ashwagandha. So this is um, Indian ginseng. Is what Indian you call ginseng it? is the base, uh, basically what it is. And uh, ginseng is, is wonderful. It's a, it's a sweet product. Uh, it's, it's a warming product. Um, it has uh, definitely anti-inflammatory uh, effects. Uh, it also is uh, good for the digestive tract mm-hmm. as well. So it's okay. safe enough to eat, actually a edible product, but you can also put it in the water and make a nice fat. Okay. So we've been using this product. I'm sure this product is in a lot of the Chinese herbal remedies that you um, are using in the clinic itself. Used a lot, yeah. Yeah, used sure. a lot. Um, but this can be used externally too in a bath. So if you have a pet who's <clears throat> recovering from like a flea allergy dermatitis um, anything associated with the skin, this is a very soothing product. So we use it in our um, bathing program here, which is ozone therapy. So it's ozone, ozonated water. And then we add a few things to it. So this is one of the products. And then the other product is right over there. I'm going to show it to you. Um, <clears throat> there we go. So this is uh, chamomile flowers. or I'm sorry, not chamomile. Uh, calendula. We have chamomile as well. So these are the calendula flowers. They're like a little daisy. They're super cute. They're all dried. Um, We ordered them in bulk. uh, So we have like a pound of these. I know they smell so fantastic. So we do like a little calendula flower bath as well. So very soothing for the skin. Calendula has been used for years and years and years for, you know, many different reasons, um, including, you know, obviously burns, skin irritations, anything like that. So, um, you can also use a cooled water infusion to make an eye wash for your pets with calendula. 
um, poison ivy, eczema, sunburn, any kind of flea bites um, can respond by using that. Now, it you can find it in the store sometimes in kind of a, a little ointment. So it, they have it available that way. We happen to use it <clears throat> in our um, holistic, you know, bathing program here. So we have had uh, pretty good luck with that, including a dog named Chesney. Hmm. Tell us about that. Chesney's in really well. <laughs> And uh, especially with candidiasis, uh, it's a form of yeast that uh, can be a very, very, uh, you know, a invasive type of yeast. There's two types. There's the, the main ones that we see is malassezia, uh, which usually causes smelly dog ears in the fetus feet. Uh, but candidiasis is more of a systemic um, after leaky gut syndrome. Uh, that can invade the system, and it's in the class of biofilms that can affect the skin and cause a very dry, patchy irritation or dermatitis, very itchy, sometimes inflamed, uh, sometimes affects the nervous system. So you see the, the dogs biting it and cats biting at their skin like there's a, really? a flea. Um, and uh, Calenzo does a nice job with that uh, to reduce inflammation and, and uh, ulceration of the skin, also to soothing. You know, it's this... Sometimes you just want the skin to be soothed because it's, it's the first line of defense on the body. Mm -hmm. And so when that's open, um, the body's susceptible to disease, secondary bacteria, um, you know, all sorts of things. And so that can definitely cause wreak havoc on the kidney and liver because those are the two areas and the lymphatic system, number three, that, that can be invaded by, uh, through the skin. So we, uh, what we did was uh, use a calendula product to help reduce inflammation uh, on the skin and uh, was very effective along with ozone baths. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the dog is great now. Yeah. Doing she great. It's really, really good right now. Um, you can make a calendula rinse. <clears throat> you want to make it like you would a tea. So you have to take like a half a cup of those flowers. Trust me, the bag is enormous because it's so lightweight. So you get a pound bag and it's like huge, it's like a grocery sack. And you just um, take a half a cup of those, put a cup of boiling water over it, let it make the tea, strain it out, and then you can use that over your dog as a rinse. So that's kind of a nice um, little thing you can do at home. It's a DIY um, thing and uh, kind of improves your pet's health a little bit. So that's kind of a cool little additional thing you can do with the calendula. Definitely. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing uh, sometimes when you have a dog that's itching or there's a flea allergy dermatitis situation, is that always going to call for um, like a medical intervention? Cause flea allergy dermatitis, Oh my gosh, that starts. And for some dogs, it takes a lot of resolution, a lot of work to resolve that. Yeah. When you get into the, the what they call stage or type force uh, hypersensitivity to the skin, um, it's similar to having a, uh, and I remember years ago, I was sensitive to poison ivy in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And it would cause such a, a kind of a blistery rash, intensely itchy. That's a type 4 sensitivity. It means that the oil absorbed through my skin and then started to cause a reaction in my lymph space. Much more intense reaction to inflammation. Uh, where a, a type 2 sensitivity is going to be your classic seasonal allergy, where you uh, most of the time you're breathing in an allergen or you may ingest an allergen. Um, and that causes a less intense mm -hmm. itch. A seasonal itch usually you won't see skin lesions, but a non-seasonal dermatitis definitely you're going to see um, some lesions. So secondary uh, blistering uh, in cats is called miliary dermatitis. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, they get a, a, an unusual condition called eosinophilic dermatitis in which the white blood cell called eosinophils um, start to colonize or at least go to uh, the area of inflammation, cause a larger plaque or uh, ulcer on the skin. Mm -hmm. uh, dogs themselves um, uh, don't get the eosinophilic dermatitis, but they get a, uh, an allergic dermatitis. They can get a neurologic dermatitis. Um, they can get the uh, a yeast dermatitis, a lot of different things. And so it depends on how severe and how difficult it is to control. Typical seasonal allergy, um, if they're comfortably itchy, you can get by with, with uh, just routine, non-medical, more Eastern medicine. But the more intense it is, first of all, we got to get the, the, uh, the, the Eastern medicine may not work as quickly. And even my mentor told me that, is that if you have an emergency, you don't want to seek Eastern medicine first. You want to seek Western medicine and then go to Eastern medicine and find out okay, what happened. So when they're really intense, we're probably going to step in with a little more Western approach to get things calmed down. But then we're going to step in afterwards and find out, well, what was the root cause? What, what drew the patient in uh, to having this condition? So uh, in, in pets that are over uh, five years old, sometimes it's hypothyroidism, which is the root cause that made them more susceptible. Um, in younger dogs, it can be uh, flea allergy dermatitis or it can be a food allergy dermatitis. So um, it really depends on the patient because skin disease is so universal uh, it's so generalized. It's sort of like if a patient comes in for vomiting and diarrhea, it can be a whole host of causes. So first of all, we do a standard workup. Uh, we do some skin scrapes and make sure we don't have an organism like Demodex, which is a, 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 a non-allergic type mite that lives on the skin uh, from mange mites uh, to, uh, you know, flea allergy dermatitis and things like that. So, um, also being able to do... Um, a hair test to see, it's called a telogram, to determine how deep the inflammation is, if it hasn't mm -hmm. affected the hair follicle. Uh, also, um, you know, we can do um, uh, impression smears and things like that for secondary infections. Also, skin biopsies sometimes in, in rougher cases uh, sometimes are used. But diet plays a big factor. Um, immune health plays a big factor in this. So um, as your earlier uh, question is that, do you always want to uh, use Western medicine? The answer is no. If it's more intense, maybe you want to step in with that. But most of the time we can use holistic therapy to, to get these patients back on track. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, Kathleen says she had some problems with um, Bectra. That one, I have seen a couple of animals lose their hair. Uh, over that. So I've had a few of those. When that goes on, it works like directly on contact. So a flea gets on the dog, bam, it's dead. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's the fastest transition time of all the topicals. From nose to tail, it can spread 20 minutes or less. Yeah, it can be effective. So a lot of dogs, it felt like the ice cube down the back feeling. The very intense sensation yeah. for sure. So that's not that's not uncommon with, no. with that product. So anyway, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate all your comments and we'll be addressing those in our Facebook group, which is Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Um, ask us anything. We'll try to help you out. Okay. So thanks for joining us today. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. 
Thank you for listening this week to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson again next Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now go make some time with your best friend. 